Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. I miss you when uh, you, you came in or in case today, um, uh, maybe you walked in a little bit later, you just, you, we, we haven't met. My name is Brandon, and like I said at the top, uh, I am one of the pastors, in particular my wife and I, we're the campus pastors here at our TGK location. And I just want to say one more time on behalf of Pastors Gil and Debbie, welcome to church. I'm so thankful to be in church, and I'm so thankful that you are here. And um, I, I do want to make mention, uh, since Pastor Gill is not here, that in two weeks, some will say two weeks, in two weeks we're starting a brand new series. Uh, next week we have His Church, Our City, which I'm really excited about. Uh, but the week after, September 11th, we're starting a brand new series. Uh, I believe it's, it's entitled Living an Empowered Life. And we're going to take the next 12 weeks, and it sounds like a super long time, uh, we're going to take the next 12 weeks and kind of uh, four by four, talk about the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you know this, but we were not intended to live life in our own strength and ability. We were not intended to, to, to live life just with good Bible concepts and, and intellect trying to figure it out. No, Jesus actually said to his disciples, hey, you wait right here. You don't go anywhere. You, you can't do it without the help of my spirit. And yet for so many people, the Holy Spirit is like a really uh, difficult, controversial subject that kind of causes a lot of pause and concern because they've been in environments or maybe they've heard teachings that are just weird or rub them the wrong way. And our heart, our goal as a church, just so you know, we are a spirit-filled church, meaning we believe in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, just like we read about it in the Bible. It's for us today. However, one of the things that we know God's called us to do is to be a bridge, that there are people, and maybe, maybe you're one of them sitting here today, that you're like, I don't really know about that Holy Spirit stuff. We really feel like God's called us to be a bridge, to help people find a life in God's Spirit, a full and free life in, in the Spirit of God, yet in a way that uh, not is balanced in that we're quenching the Holy Spirit, but in a way that brings peace and understanding. I love Pastor Gilly says this often, that the Holy Spirit is such a gentleman. And he does not force himself on anybody, but rather it's an invitation that he gives. And so I would just encourage you to mark your calendar. We're gonna start this new series. And also I would encourage you to start praying and asking God, God, who can I bring? Who can I invite to church with me that not only needs the saving power of Jesus, but needs to hear the sermons about the help of the Holy Spirit? Someone said amen. So we're not in any kind of a series today, but uh, we're kind of in between. So it's a free week, if you will. And um, I wanna preach a sermon today uh, really talking about the power and the importance of our relationships. I don't know if you were here last week, but we finished a series last week called Faith Awaken, where we talked about uh, how do we live a life of faith? You know, the Bible says faith's kind of a big deal because faith is the currency of God's kingdom. According to your faith, Jesus said, let it be done to you. And we talked about last week, how do we live a life of faith that withstands the test of time? One that's not hot today and cold tomorrow. One that's not wishy-washy or double-minded, as the, the book of James would say. But how do we live a life of, of, of faith where our faith, it's, it's permanent. It withstands the test of time. And one of the things we talked about last week is the importance of surrounding ourselves with people of faith. 
talked about the power for a moment of relationships. And there just seemed to be something on that last week where uh, it resonated with our community. Uh, I know there, there were a lot of comments and questions just about that. It seemed to be something that maybe for this season uh, is, is pretty important that we talk about. And so we're gonna take this week that we have, a free week, if you will, and talk about the power of relationships. If you have a Bible, go with me this morning to Proverbs chapter 13, Verse 20, one of my favorite scriptures in all of the world. Um, this scripture is one of the scriptures that really changed and transformed my life. Um, and it's one of the ones that I go to often. But Proverbs 13, 20, uh, reading out of the New King James Version, if you don't have a Bible, not a big deal. I would encourage you to get a Bible and bring your Bible to church. Uh, I think it's a big deal, at least here in our church. We are students of God's word. Uh, we don't just read God's word, but we give ourselves to it. And so if you don't have a Bible, I'd encourage you to grab one, but no worries today, the words are on the screen. Reading from the New King James Version, the Bible says this, that he who walks with wise men will be wise. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Don't you love God's word that, that it doesn't leave things in question? That God's word doesn't leave things like, ah, you know, it's applicable half the time. Sometimes, you know, it's not. Some people are really strong and other people, you know, it just says, hey, here's, here's the facts. Here's a truth that we have to embrace, that he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. If you're taking notes, uh, you can write this down. The title of the sermon that I wanna preach this morning is a sermon that I've simply titled this, The Truth and the Tension of Relationships. The Truth and the Tension of Relationships. Now, when I say tension, I don't mean the stress or anxiety or frustration or difficulty, although how many of you can admit that definitely exists in relationships? So someone said, hey man, some of you are like, bro, you haven't, you, if you were at my family re re reunion last week and you, you were there when we all found out who Uncle, or Uncle Bob actually voted for and the tension that was in that place, oh, we, we know tension. I don't mean tension like that though. I mean tension in terms of something that is held tight. Tension in terms of something that, because there are two things that seem to be in opposition pulling at, at each other, something that is held taut or something that is held tight. And I wanna talk this morning about the truth, but also the tension of relationships. One of the things that I hope that you go home with today is this reality, that the Bible, that the Bible is complex. Now, I don't mean it's complicated. God is not complicated, but I do mean that it's complex in this, that the Bible is full of truth, that seems to be in opposition. The Bible is full of truth that seems to be, be in, in opposition or opposing the other. And what we have to realize is that the Bible, it is complex and that it is filled with moving parts, yet they all work together and create a tension or a source of stability for us to live and walk in as we follow after Jesus. I don't know if you have kids. Uh, we, this past Christmas, we got a trampoline for our children. Uh, anybody growing up, did you have a trampoline? Did you, you break an arm or a nose or you, you hurt yourself off a trampoline? Uh, when, I, when I was a kid, we had a trampoline. We did not have a net. And apparently that is frowned upon that you have to have a net. I will tell you uh, the trampoline we currently have has no net on it. 
um, because we have a dog that needs deliverance and salvation, and he ripped that net to shreds within like three days of us putting the trampoline up. Uh, we, we, my kids had some friends over yesterday, and I'm like, is this, is this a good parenting move? There were seven of them on the trampoline, and um, I just put my head outside and said, hey, there's no net, be careful, and then uh, I went back inside. Um, we're just trusting that God's gonna take care of them. But we, we got this trampoline. Um, it was kind of funny because it's a 14-foot trampoline, and I didn't realize the most exciting part of getting a trampoline. Uh, my kids were thrilled that it's bigger than the neighbor's trampoline. They, they, were, they were like, Dad, this is bigger than their trampoline. And I won't tell you which one of my kids. It was a great teaching moment. Uh, they were like, oh, they're gonna be so jealous of us. I can't wait till they see. They're gonna be so jealous. We have a big trampoline. Um, but we got this trampoline and in putting it up, uh, my wife thought it'd be a really, really fun family project for me to build the trampoline with all of my kids um, while she did a puzzle inside. And um, it was definitely a family project. I'm kidding. I think she was tearing down Christmas decorations or something, um, probably reading her Bible or praying or something spiritual. Um, but it was definitely a family project, but it was not fun. There's no, there's no fun in it. And we, we got to the point in building the trampoline where you got to put the springs on. And I'm not counting, I'm just assuming there's enough springs. And so I start putting the springs on only to realize that we are missing a significant number of springs. And so we start looking around, do they fall out of the box? Do they, they go somewhere? And uh, my, my son Graham, he said, um, I threw them all in the neighbor's yard. And uh, while we were building, he was practicing his throw and um, we could not find them. We, I, we couldn't find the springs. And, and my kids were like, we, no, we wanna jump right now. And I had to explain to them, we can't jump right now. See, because without the tension that these springs give us, there is no stability for you to jump on. Without the tension that these springs provide, there is no stable platform for you to jump on and you will fall through this trampoline you will break an arm or a nose or a face. You will start crying and your mom's gonna get mad at me. And so we're not doing that. And, and I tell you that story because I, I think it illustrates the reality that God's word really is full of tension. And one of the things I think that so often we, we miss is that we, we fail to embrace the tension of God's word and, and rather we pick and choose truths that are comfortable and convenient and applicable to me in this moment in this season. And, and because we fail to embrace the tension of God's word that actually creates great stability for our life, we, we, we live in error. You know, Psalm, I'm sorry, Proverbs 133, it won't be on the screen, but it says that, that who, whoever will listen to me, this is wisdom speaking, whoever will listen to me will dwell safely and be secure without fear of evil. Did you know that God's word actually gives us the ability to walk on a stable pathway, on a stable platform that we can live without fear? We can live secure. We can live in peace because of the stability that God's word provides. However, so many of us, we don't, we're, we don't embrace or we're not willing to, to, to live with the tension. And so we pick and tr choose truths that are comfortable and convenient and apl applicable to me right here in this moment. And, and I think this has great relevance to the subject of relationships, because here's the reality, like so many other things in life of relationships, that there is truth, yet the truth is held in tension by other truths. 
I'll give you the, the main truth. And the main truth we touched on this last week is simply this, that relationships really do matter. Can, can I get a big amen? The relationships actually really do matter. We'll read this again. Proverbs 13, 20, it says this, that he who walks with wise men will be wise. That, that word walks doesn't mean uh, someone who's just an acquaintance. Doesn't mean someone who is just a neighbor that you kind of wave at when you're watering the flowers. The, the word walks depicts or describes someone that your life has become intimately interconnected with. Describe someone that you've made intentional decision or effort that you're walking with them. Your uh, modern Christian terminology would say you're living life with them. You're spending time with them. You're allowing them into a place in your life where they're not just an acquaintance, they're a friend. They're, they're someone that you have intimate connection with. And the Bible goes, he who walks with wise men he who lives life with, he who is interconnected with wise men. Brandon, what do you mean wise men? Like smart men. We'll, we'll, we'll pause real quick. The, the book of Proverbs describes wisdom in this way, that the beginning or the starting point of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. That wisdom is not just being smart. Wisdom is not just being disciplined and smart and knowing how to go about your business, but rather wisdom is this recognition that, oh God, you are God and I am not. What wisdom is a recognition, uh, Proverbs 14, 12 would say that there's a way that seems right to me, but the end is destruction, but the end is death. Wisdom is a recognition that I am desperate for the ways, the word, and the will of God, that life to the full is only found in following Jesus. And so we can translate this to say, he who walks with or is living with people have committed themselves to God. He who walks with and is living with people who have committed themselves to his will and his ways and his word, they will in, in turn become someone who, who, who is committed to God's will, his ways and his word. However, the companion, same, same definition, different word, the person who's living life with interconnected, spending time with, hanging out, allowing into their space the person who is a fool. Foolishness is not just making dumb decisions. Have you ever made a dumb decision before? It's like, oh, I definitely shouldn't have done that. Foolishness is not just making silly decisions. Foolishness, Proverbs would define for us in this way, it is the antithesis of wisdom. It is saying, I have no fear for the Lord. I have no reverence for God. I believe it's Psalms or Proverbs. One of them says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. The, the, the fool says in his heart, I will not give an account. The fool says in his heart, God is not the judge. He's not watching. He's actually not doing what he said he would do. And the Bible goes, he who is a companion of fools, their life will end up being destroyed. Not because, not because God judges them, but rather because their path, their manner of life will lead them to, to destruction. The Bible says this in Psalm chapter one, verse one, blessed, someone say blessed, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. First Corinthians 15, 33, we read it, read it last week, but Paul is writing and Paul says, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Don't get duped. Don't get tricked. Don't get fooled. Do not be deceived. Evil company, it always corrupts or taints good 
habits. I, I love this Galatians chapter six, Paul is writing and Paul says in verse seven and eight, do not be deceived. Again, I love it because Paul is realizing that many of us, we are self-deceived. Can I just tell you as a pastor who is every day trying to, to, to become more like Jesus, I often can live self-deceived. And do you know what the greatest self-deception is? To go, this doesn't apply to me. No, I, I totally know how this applies to Uncle Bob, but this definitely doesn't apply to me, you know, because I'm, I'm strong, I'm stable. And the greatest self-deception is thinking that we, we don't have to apply all of God's word because all of God's word doesn't apply to me. And Paul goes, don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. He who sows the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. See, the truth is that relationships matter. We, we, we used this quote last week, and I don't remember who, who it's by, but we said this last week, that whatever you're around, it gets on you, it gets in you, and then it starts coming out of you. That whoever I'm around, I cannot help it. It gets on me. It gets in me, and then it starts coming out of me. Can I tell you, relationships matter, and it does not just matter for, for, for the young. I, I hear people all the time, that's, that's such a great truth and a concept, you know, for the youth. Man, the, the youth and the kids really need to know. They need to have some good friends. Can I tell you, I've seen middle schoolers and middle-aged men and women alike go from being committed, constant, devoted, surrendered believers in Jesus who are living the ways and the will and the word of God, slowly but surely find themselves walking down a pathway they said they never would have primarily because of relationship. So relationship matters. It's just a truth. We, we just have to deal with that, that I cannot get around it. My relationships matter. However, there are two other truths that bring tension, and I'll give them to you quickly. Number one is this, that we don't get to control our environment. Is that not the truth right there? You, you don't control your environment. Anybody like me, you wish you could control your environment sometimes, that if you could control your environment, you might not work with that person. You might not be on a team with that person. You might not have that person that just moved in next door. We, we don't get to control our environment. And this brings great tension because how do I how, how do I have godly relationships and, and, and give myself to that when, God, I'm in an environment right now? I'm living in a household. I'm working in an organization. I'm on a team. I'm in a, a, a group right now where nobody is godly. And we have to acknowledge that brings great tension. I was talking to someone last week, and they said, Pastor Brandon, what really ministered to me, what really spoke to me is when you talked about being surrounded by people of faith. He said, but I don't know how to do that, though, because the, the company that I work in and the team that I lead right now is, is the opposite of that. We have to acknowledge that that's a truth and a reality. The, the other truth we have to acknowledge, and I hope that we're going to get big, loud amens, absolutely, is that God's actually called us to reach our world. I love you. I think you're amazing. I, I think your face is so beautiful and I'm so glad your face is in the place. But here's what I'm aware of almost every single Sunday morning as we gather, that there are thousands of people right around us who are desperate for the gospel that we have embraced. 
I, I love getting to gather. I love getting to, getting to spend time in God's house, but I am aware almost every single day that God, we live in a world where as Pastor Gil would say, people are waiting for Jesus. This is not the sermon, but can I just say that um, the, 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 the right time is right now. Jesus said the harvest is ripe. He said, open your eyes. The harvest is now. The, the right time isn't next year. The right time is right now. The, the right time isn't when I, when I really get my stuff together. No, the right time is now. The harvest, Jesus said, is ripe, and we are surrounded in a community, and God placed us in a world where there are people all over the place that they need the healing only Jesus can provide. They, they need the hope only Jesus can, can provide. They need the forgiveness of a savior. They, they, they need the freedom from guilt and shame and condemnation. They need the wisdom that only God has. We, we, we live in a world where people are desperate for Jesus. However, that creates tension, doesn't it? <clears throat> because if I'm called to have godly relationships, but God, you've called me to a world that is not godly, and that's why I'm supposed to be there, it creates great tension, does it not? And I'm gonna say it one more time. The, the problem for, for so many of us, myself included, is that we love to pick and choose truths that are comfortable and convenient and applicable for, applicable for me in this moment. And the problem with that is we find ourselves, while maybe living in a truth, living in error. So we, we find ourselves becoming holy Henry. No, no, pastor. Relationships matter. And I gotta be surrounded with godly people. Pastor Brandon, I, I don't even fly on an airplane if I'm sitting next to an unbeliever. Back in 1974, I got on a plane. I said, sir, do you believe in Christ? He said, no, I left. Haven't left the state since, Pastor Brandon. I'm committed. And, and, and we live in these, in these little holy huddles where everything secular is satanic. And everyone who doesn't know Jesus is just the wrong person for me right now. And while there's truth there, you're in error. Or, or, or we become the, the it is what it is, Isabel. By the way, if this is your name, I'm just making this up. I apologize. If you're like, I'm pack, pack your bag, honey. We're leaving. I'm offended. But we just, it is what it is. Yeah, you know, the truth is you can't control your environment. I know, I, I get it. Relationships matter. I get it. Like, I, I need to be on godly field, but you just can't control your environment. Like, hey, you know, it is what it is, Pastor Brandon. My kids, they're in school right now. They're on a team and, and the friends they have are just the friends they have. And so we leave life to chance. And if I have great relationships, awesome. But if I don't, that's just life. Or, and I, I don't have a name for this person. I, I can't think that fast, but, or we become the person that we're intentionally, willfully, knowingly living in relationships and environments that are not just toxic, but they're pulling us a, 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 a way down a pathway that will only lead to destruction. And we go, well, I'm called to reach people. Well, you know, I'm, I'm the light in a dark place. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that I've gone, hey, I, I just sense that maybe you're in, you're in this environment, this, surrounded by these people. This is not good. And their response is, well, you know, I'm called to be a light, Brandon. And I just feel like right now, God wants me to be an influence. But if we're honest with ourselves, it just doesn't work that way. 
And, and most of the people that willingly, know, knowingly put themselves in environments with people that are pulling them the, the opposite direction, who are saying, I'm called to be the light and to be the influence, if we're just being honest, they are being influenced and pulled darker and deeper into a world and a life that is not God. It is not the way, the word, and the will of God. All the while embracing a truth, I'm called to reach the world. That's true. But because you failed to embrace the tension of Scripture, you're living in error. So how, 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 how do we embrace? How do we live within the tension of this? And I'm going to give you three thoughts this morning. Number one, you can write this down. It's simply this, that because I need the right relationships, I have to be intentional. Because I need the right relationships, I have to be intentional. I love this proverb, Proverbs 12, 26. It says this, that the righteous, um, just a quick test by, by a show of hands. I know I'm risking this because it's 9 a.m. and I don't feel like anyone's had coffee here this morning. And so the participation could be really low, but I'm, I'm, I'm risking it, okay? So don't leave me hanging. By a show of hands, how many of you say you wanna live a righteous life? Yeah, I, I, I got, I'm to the best of my ability, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and I'm growing into that. I want to live a righteous life. The Bible says the righteous, what they should do, is choose their friends carefully, knowing the way of the wicked leads them astray. Can I ask you a question? Um, are you choosing or have you been chosen? I, I, I think often back to seventh grade, um, by, by the way, if this person is listening to the sermon, I am talking about you, and I love you so much. Um, this is the, the person I'm about to tell you about. Um, this is when I realized technology can really bite you in the butt. Um, they reached out to me via social media, and they're like, hey, we haven't talked since like middle school. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so, so good to like, you know, talk to you. And they go, hey, I, I found you on social media. I've been listening to your sermons. They said, am, am I that friend you keep talking about? I think I am. And I said, bro, you totally are. And um, we had a great conversation. I, I remember in seventh grade, I was at a brand new school and my only thought, my only motivation, don't eat lunch alone. Don't eat lunch alone. Don't, I don't know anybody. Don't. And so the first person that, that I could get to like, like we're, we're friends, was, I won't use his name, but, but a certain individual, you know who you are if you're listening. But but a certain individual, and it was in uh, history class, whatever history I was taking in, in seventh grade, and I was so thrilled to just have friends. I was so thrilled to just not be eating lunch alone. I was so thrilled just to be pulled in to a, to, to a group of friends in a new place and in, in a new city because I was deathly afraid of not having community. And I will tell you, seventh, eighth, and ninth grade year, I moved farther a direction I thought I would never go. I did things, I was exposed to things, I participated in things, that I, I would never do that, all because the power of relationship. And, and lo looking backwards, I can identify, oh, as a seventh grader, I did not choose, I was chosen. The Bible says a righteous man who desires to live godly and live for him, that knowing the way of the wicked will lead them astray must be intentional. I love how Jesus models this in a way in Mark chapter three. Mark chapter three, Jesus says, and he went up on the mountain and he called to him those he himself wanted. 
Even Jesus models for us the intentionality of relationship. Brandon, how in the world do I be intentional in, in my, my relationship? Let's give you just three thoughts. I think you need to identify. I think you need to initiate. And I think you need to invest. I think we should stop if we really are being people who say, God, I want to be committed to your word. We have to stop and say, Lord, you know where I am. You, you know what's going on in my heart. You know what I need right now. God, would you open my eyes to see who is it you've already put around me? See, here's one of the things that I'm convinced of, that God will never ask you to do something he does not give you the ability to do. That's not God that God's never gonna give you instruction or God's never gonna lay something before you that you do not fully have the ability to walk in. But so often we don't stop and say, all right, God, I'm committed to your word. I'm committed to the reality that I need the right relationships. People of God and people of faith, like Hebrews 10, 24 says, that are gonna stir me and provoke me to loving you and loving people and walking in righteousness and holiness. God, I need the right people, so show me. Show me, open my eyes to know who are the people that are already around me. I, I remember my wife and I, we got married when we were 19 and 20, right? Is that what it is, 19 and 20? It was so long ago. We, we got married when we were very young and immediately that kind of took us out of relationship with a lot of people our age because most people aren't crazy and they don't get married at 19 and 20. And I remember for a season, we, we felt very lonely in a sense that we just don't have friends. Like we don't have like relationships and people that like we just feel like and we can connect with and hang out with. And I remember it wasn't until we started praying saying, God, will you just help us to see who have you already put around us? That it's like God took the blinders off and all of a sudden we could see what we could not see before. And all of a sudden relationships that all the time had been right around us, we just didn't see in our natural ability. We didn't see what God was setting up. We didn't see what God was, are we praying to say, God, help me to have eyes to see. And then as I do, God, give me boldness and encourage to initiate, invest in those relationships. I can't tell you how many phone calls I've made, how many conversations I've had, how many lunches and coffee appointments and milkshakes and whatever you wanna call it I've had, where I've been that awkward guy to be like, hey, so um, this may be kind of weird, I really need you in this season. I, I, I've called pastors and friends and leaders and just people, even in our church before, but hey, right now, this is where I am. And, and I, I don't wanna put more on you, but I just wanna put it out there. I need your encouragement right now. Right now, I, I need your source of accountability. I remember calling a pastor that's within an hour or so, I said, hey, right now in this season, I just need a mentor of your caliber. Can, can we take time? Would, would you be willing for me to call you? Can we maybe even meet halfway for lunch? And can we maybe once a month or like, can we just talk? Can, can I lay before you the issues of my heart and, and, and what I'm going through? And can I tell you, we don't just have to initiate, we got to invest. So many of us, we want fruit from where we are not investing. We, we want the results of seeds we're not sowing. And Galatians says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked every single time. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. And I found so often the people that come to me and go, I just, Brandon, I have no friends that are godly. And I, just, you know, I just feel like pastor, that I'm just, I'm not connected in this church and not to be condescending, but I, I go, yeah, but you're not investing. You want a return from where you are not willing to invest. 
You, you want the benefit of relationship that is deep and meaningful. You just don't want to ever be here. You don't want to get in a connect group. You don't want to serve. You don't want to be consistent. And it's not about legalism. It's about us saying, God, I have to take your word at, at, at face value and say, if I do not sow, I cannot reap. And can I tell you, here's what the Bible says, that he who waters will himself be watered. Do, do you know where investment starts? Investment starts in you being the kind of friend that you want. Investment starts in you sowing the seeds that you need to re, re, receive in return. I told you last week, if you hear that my grandma, she used to always pray for me that I would have a, a Jonathan friend. And she was talking about you know, David and Jonathan. And when I got that concept, I'm like, yeah, God, send me a Jonathan friend. Send me someone who's willing to sacrifice everything for me. God, send me someone who will encourage me and love me and give me life no matter what's going on. Remember the Holy Spirit just whispering, you want a Jonathan friend? Be a Jonathan friend. Because you don't reap what you don't sow. So you, you, you need a friend who's a source of godly encouragement. Start being a friend that gives godly encouragement. You, you, you need a friend who, who, who is consistent. Start being a friend who is consistent. See, because relationships matter, we have to be intentional. Number two, talking about the truth and the tension of relationships, because we can't control our environment. We have to guard our heart. I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying, but I just think for so many of us, we have way too open of a mind. We have way, we entertain and we think about and we, we give ourselves to thoughts and ideas and perspectives that are not in alignment with the ways, the will, and the word of God. I had a conversation recently with someone, we were driving in the car and they start telling me all about this new thing they're thinking about. And I was kind of taken off guard because we're driving and I'm, I'm thinking, but like you love Jesus. And I, I'm not being legalistic, but, but this new thing, the patterns and priorities and the perspective of it is in, is in contradiction to what God's word says. And, and in the conversation, it kind of came out, yeah, you know, because I was having coffee with so-and-so. And, and what I realized, oh, you... You, you, had a, you had a coffee, a lunch, a, a hangout with so-and-so, and they're just sharing with you what they're thinking about and what's going on in their life and this new thing that they're really excited about. And your mind and your heart, it's open. Wow. Amazing. Maybe I'll think about that. Maybe y'all, and I'm not saying we shouldn't be open to new ideas and new concepts. And we shouldn't be open to the Holy Spirit leading us and showing us things we've never seen before, but we have to guard our hearts. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter seven. Um, uh, Proverbs chapter seven, it says, my son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live and my law as the apple of your eye, Bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister and call understanding your nearest kin. Verse five, that, verses one through four, do everything you can to get my word in your heart. Do everything you can to get my word on your mind, to meditate and memorize and, and ponder and hold close my word so that, they may keep you from the immoral woman 
and from the seductress who flatters with her words. Proverbs chapter seven is speaking directly to sexual immorality and the immoral woman, but it is applicable to the enemy and to sin. And what we see in Proverbs chapter seven is that the key to guarding my heart is getting God's word in my heart. David writes in Psalm 119 verse 11, your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. It is God's word in our heart that keeps our heart guarded. So while we're in proximity, while we're in relationship, while we're spending time with people, while we're in environments, that the thoughts and concepts and perspectives and the direction of life, we have the ability to hear it, to understand it, to go, yeah, totally, man, I get that. Wow, that's amazing for you. And simultaneously go, but that's not who God's called me to be. Flush it. That's not the assignment on my life. Flush it. Ah, but that, Lord, that's not what you're asking me to do in this season. Flush it. Oh, that sounds amazing. I wish my flesh goes, yes, I want that. But you've asked me to be eternally minded and uh, kingdom focused, so not for me. This is what Paul is referring to in 2 Corinthians when he says, you gotta take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus. Can I tell you, even as as a pastor and a leader and someone who personally is devoted to God and also professionally is a leader in a local church community like this, that my flesh has the same desires that your flesh has. And I have found myself in, in relationship, in conversations, just because of the environment that I'm in with people, that my flesh starts going, ooh, yeah, that does sound way better than what you're doing. That... How many zeros in the paycheck? Really? Are they hiring? Interesting. Uh, and, and if we're not careful, our flesh, an unguarded heart, and our flesh can leave us open and vulnerable. See, we, the truth is relationships matter, and so I have to be intentional, but because I cannot control my environment, I gotta keep a guarded heart. And lastly, we'll, we'll close here, but I gotta realize because I'm called to reach my world, that I have to look for every opportunity to plant seed, to invite, and to welcome people in. Mark chapter two, we'll read verses 13 and 14 as we close today. Mark chapter two, verses 13 and 14, it says this, then he went out again by the sea and all the multitude came to him and he taught them. And he passed by, or as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. And he, he being Jesus, said to him, follow me. Someone say, follow me. Follow me, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were very many and they followed him. Verse 16, when the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I didn't come to listen to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I've heard so many times this verse, this idea, so out of context. 
hey man, I'm really concerned about you. Why? Well, you know, you just joined a gang and um, you just got jumped in. You spend all your time doing criminal activity. I'm being facetious. Well, you know, Brandon, you know, pastor, Jesus ate with sinners. And, and if we're not careful, we can take a scripture like this and go, well, you know, the, 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 the missional model that Jesus gave us is just to get as close to people as you can. Just put yourself in environments and in proximity where it's dark and broken and, you know, just like love them and hang out with them, be with them. And then at the right opportunity, say something like, God loves you, you know, and, and revival breaks out. But it's not what Jesus modeled. The, the, the Bible says that Jesus, he called Levi to follow him. Let's real quick go outside of our 2022 American definition of following and let's go back to what Jesus said following means. Jesus said, anyone who would follow me, ready for it, it's so encouraging, must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Jesus' definition of following was, was such that he's quoted as saying, let the dead bury the, 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 the dead. And anyone who puts their hand to the plow and looks backwards actually isn't fit for my kingdom. Jesus didn't just hang out with sinners. He didn't just put himself in environments and proximity so just by chance he could have some relational credibility and then say an encouraging word. No, Jesus called people to follow him. Jesus said, come and follow me. Come and, and all that Jesus meant with that is included in that, by the way. The, the, the picture we see in Mark chapter two is not one of us recklessly knowingly, willingly giving ourselves in relationships just in case God, the, the, the message Mark 2 is trying to help us to see is that everyone is loved by God. Is that there's not a person on this planet, there's not a person that lives in Tiga Cay or Fort Mill or Rock Hill or the greater Charlotte area that is too far to be reached that there is nothing anybody has or has not done that has disqualified them from the love and the forgiveness and the saving power of our Savior. That Jesus does not care what people smell like or look like or where they come from or the decisions they have or haven't made. The Bible says God so loves the world. So he gave his son that whoever, whoever would call upon him, experience the life and the forgiveness and the freedom that only he offers because I'm called to reach my world. No, I'm, I'm, no the tension holds me because as I desire to reach a lost, hurting, broken world, as, as I lean in, the tension that relationship matter pull, pulls me back. And, I, and, and I, as I get pulled back to go, well, you know, I just, I gotta stay in my, my cute little Christian huddle. The, the tension pulls me back and there's tension that holds us in the middle like Jesus was, where we live with the intentionality of the right relationships and we have a guarded heart, but we are focused and we are mission-minded to say, but we wanna reach people. This is not a members only club. Our goal is not to create a holy huddle on Sundays. Our goal is to create a community where people know that the love and the life of Jesus is for all. And so I will keep sowing seeds. I'm gonna keep speaking words of encouragement. 
I'm gonna keep doing everything I can to invite people and welcome people in with open arms to my life and to our community, to this home, this family that we call the church. Relationships matter, so I have to be intentional. God, help me to be intentional. God, give me open eyes to see the people that you've placed in, in, my, in, in, in my pathway, that God, I need them because they have something that, that I, I need because they're gonna sharpen me and they're gonna direct me and point me. And God, I, I can't choose my environment, so help me, Lord Jesus, to keep a heart that is guarded, to take every thought captive and to keep my mind on the ways, the word, and the will of God. But God, all the while, help me to remember that I'm not called to just live here and stay here. You've actually placed me intentionally around people and in places because I am the light, because I do hold something. The Bible says that we are broken vessels. And while we may be broken vessels, we hold something so precious. That's the gospel. I pray that we recognize there is tension in relationship and we have to embrace that so that we can live on a stable platform of God's ways, his word, his will. Not in error in any one direction. No, I'm staying right here in the middle where, where God's asked me to be. Intentional, leaning into the right people in the right places, keeping my heart guarded, but looking for every opportunity to just sow seeds, share, share the love of God with people, pray for people, encourage people, invite people to come, welcome people into my world, my life, my community. There's tension that we must embrace. As we close, I, I feel like every one of us, I don't feel I know every one of us, we're in a different place, aren't we? And, and I think we just have to acknowledge that when it comes to this, the, the, the truth, but the tension of relationship, what we need most is we need the help of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God. We, oh God, I, I, I can't just suppose I know what and how you, you want me. No, I, I need your help. So Holy Spirit, as, as I receive these truths, lead me and guide me to know how to apply them in this season. And as I apply them in the season, oh God, would you give me the grace of God to do them in, in love and gentleness? Would you empower me by your spirit to live this out in love and in gentleness and in the way that you both demonstrate and, and call me to. Would you stand up on your feet with me today? And as we close, you know this, we close every week by just singing a song. And the purpose of it is simply to just seal in our heart, to respond to God, but seal in our heart what God is speaking. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, Lord, I ask that you would help us in this moment to maybe zero in on what it is you're asking us to do zero in on the truth, zero in on the thing that you're, you're speaking, you're highlighting to us. And we pray that as we simply respond to you with hands and hearts and voices lifted high, oh, thanking you for meeting us here, thanking you for your word, thanking you for your careful concern for our life, that Holy Spirit, like a hot iron, you would seal it in our heart. And we leave here today with something sealed in our heart that by the power of your spirit, you'll enable us to live out in Jesus. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. 
For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.